0: Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 9, John 9, Christmas is my favorite time of year, it always has been. And our family always celebrates Christmas mainly on Christmas Eve, which I discovered years ago is a German tradition. And we have no German in our background, but our family on Christmas Eve eats a turkey dinner. Many of you probably do the same thing with mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, sweet potatoes. It's making me hungry right now. Thinking about it. And of course, sauerkraut. Can't forget the sauerkraut, which is another German influence. Well, after eating this meal, we would open our presents and then we would go to a midnight Christmas service, which was held at 11 p.m. Go figure. For me as a kid, everything was great up till this point. You see, we would, I would wait patiently as the meal was served, and I probably didn't eat anything because I was waiting for the presents, for the dishes to be clean, the presents to be passed out, and the grand finale was opening all the presents and playing with your new toys, right? And then I would hear the dreaded words It's time to get ready to go to church. And I would always respond, I was such a spiritual kid, I would always respond, do we have to? And this went on year after year until finally I was a teenager and one of the only joys I had, and I I say this facetiously, one of the joys that I had was going to the Christmas Eve service and I'd be talking to my brother and we'd be figuring out how many people were going to faint this year in the service. Because we were in this small little church and it was the biggest service of the year with an air conditioner that hardly worked in Florida and it, it was hot. So people would pass out. As you can see, At this point in my life, until I was about 19 years old, I was blind to the true meaning of Christmas. I was unaware that I needed the greatest Christmas gift ever given, which is the gift of sight. Isaiah 35 talks about this. It talks about what the Messiah would do it says this the eyes of the blind will be opened the ears of the deaf will be unstopped then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy let's turn to John chapter 9 and see a man who was born blind in need of a gift that only Christ can give. The first thing that we're going to look at is the signs of blindness. Uh, Beginning in verse 1, this is the Word of God. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in this world. I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Uh, Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? He answered, "...the man who called Jesus, is called Jesus, made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly born blind. Now it was a Sabbath on that day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who received his sight and questioned him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he see? His parents answered and said to him, them, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? They reviled him, and they said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. You know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, Here's an amazing thing, that you don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anybody opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, "You were born entirely in your sins, and you're teaching us, so they put him out." Jesus heard that they had put him out of the out and finding him, he said, "Do you believe in the Son of Man?" He answered, "Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him?" Jesus said to him. You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind." In this story, the beggar has two problems, as you see. He is physically and spiritually blind. And what comes with both of these problems is a lack of hope. Can you imagine every day waking up, day after day, being blind? Can you imagine... Every day being led to the temple so you can beg for your survival for the whole day long. To have your survival dependent upon the whims of others for your whole life. What a hopeless situation. And you know, even today, blind people can have, physically blind people can have some hope. We have four eye doctors out there. And I'll bet you I could ask each one of them and they could tell me a story of a person that is blind that can now see because of modern technology. Today, blind people can have some hope. But in biblical times, they had no hope. Look at verse 32, it says this, Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anybody opened the eyes of a person blind, born blind. It had not been done before. This was a hopeless situation. And do you know that every one of us is born In a hopeless situation, every one of us is born spiritually blind. We are born in a hopeless condition. And like the blind man in this story, there is nothing that we can do to change our condition. It reminds me of a movie that I went to with my wife, The Perfect Storm. Do you remember that? It was years ago. And I knew that the, the movie was a true story. Denise didn't. So she's sitting there wondering if these guys are going to survive the whole movie. You know, she's grabbing the side of her chair. And, and at the last scene in the movie, you remember it, they're, they're in their fishing boat and they're climbing a hundred foot wave. You know, and it's getting ready to flip over. You know, and she's thinking, are they going to survive? You know, and I'm thinking, they're toast. It's over. This is a true story. They're, They're already gone. They had no hope. And it's just like every one of us that's born in this world, we are spiritually dead and without hope, just like this blind man. And no matter how hard we try, We fall short of what God requires of us, which is perfection. We were in a hopeless condition and need of a gift that only Jesus can give. So what are some of the signs of spiritual blindness? Well, it's obvious in this story, one of the signs was you can't see Jesus. You can't see Jesus. Here's this man sitting there begging right, for money or for bread, and Jesus is walking by, and he can't see him. He can't cry out for help because he can't see him. He couldn't cry out to a Savior he couldn't see. And before I was a Christian, and before you were a Christian, you were in the same boat. I remember when I was in the Air Force and I was given the gospel for about the third time in my life, I remember my response I'll never forget it. I told the person, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I go to church. I'm an acolyte. I sing in the choir. What I was telling him, in other words, is that I was holy. I was good enough to get to God. But I was so blind I was so blind to my own sin. And I was so blind that I could never be good enough for God because God requires perfection. I couldn't see Jesus just like this blind man. I couldn't see that he was the only one who lived a perfect life. And then in a sense, I was unknowingly in my blindness competing with his goodness. Well, another sign of spiritual blindness is that it's just too easy. Notice notice what Jesus says in verse 7. He spits on the ground. He makes the clay spittle. He puts it in the man's eyes, right? And then he says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now, this man could have thought to himself, what are you talking about? You know, I've been blind my whole life. You're telling me To go put mud in my eyes and wash? What's that going to do? He could have responded like Naaman did to Elijah when the prophet told the general to go wash in the Jordan River to cure his leprosy. And how did he respond? He got mad. He got mad. He said, I'm not going to go to the dirty Jordan River. What's that going to do? how's that going to cure my leprosy? I could go to one of my rivers in Damascus that are a lot cleaner. He said, that is too easy. One time when I was giving the gospel to a relative, I told her, you know, you need to turn to Christ. You need to turn from yourself. You need to turn from all of your own works and turn only to him. And she just looked at me and said, that is too easy easy. She sounded like Naaman when he said it's too easy to just wash in the Jordan. I need to add something that God says is sufficient. I need to add to what God says is sufficient. Listen to what John 5 24 says. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Well, another sign of blindness is trusting in religion or tradition. Look look back at verse 18 of the story here. Um, Look at the parents' response in verse 18. It says, The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind. And had received sight, until they called the parents, the very one who had received his sight, and questioned them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or... Who opened his eyes? We do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He's of age. Ask him. What did his parents do here? Basically, They threw him under the bus. They threw him under the bus. Why? Because they were more concerned about the leadership and what they thought of them and they were more concerned about being thrown out of the the temple than they were about their own son. They wanted to conform to the traditions of men instead of conforming to the Word of God. Well, the final sign of spiritual blindness in this story is the pride and self righteousness of the Jewish leaders. Look back at verse 13. It says this They brought to the Pharisees a man who was formerly blind. Now, it was a Sabbath on that day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes, and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Notice what they were doing here. They were rejecting Christ. Why? Because they say he wasn't keeping the Sabbath. But actually, what he wasn't keeping was their man-made rules. He was keeping the Sabbath. And they were so blind that they rejected an obvious miracle from God because of their own self-righteousness. And you know, many times before Christ, we were doing the same thing. We were doing the same thing. In fact, I was talking to a lady um, this week about what we were like before Christ and how blind we were. And uh, she told me a story about how she used to think. And she said this I used to think I was doing God a great favor by coming to church two Sundays in a row. She thought she was doing God a favor. And then last night I was talking to Joe and he had a friend years ago tell him that uh, a friend of him said that, that they shouldn't be expected to give more than two hours on Sunday to God. That's enough. Can you imagine? That's how blind we were. Do you realize that? You were that blind. In fact, Listen to this quote from Tim Keller on blindness. It's a book on Christmas, Tim Keller's book on Christmas, and he says this. Years ago, I read an ad in the New York Times that said the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us so that we are the ones who can dispel the darkness of the world. We can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, and evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. Can we, says Keller? One of the most thoughtful world leaders of the late 20th century was Valclav Havel the first president of the Czech Republic. He had a unique vantage point from which to peer deeply into both socialism and capitalism. He was not optimistic that either would, by itself, solve the greatest human problems. He knew that science, unguided by moral principles, had given us the Holocaust. He concluded that neither technology, nor the state, nor the market alone could save us from nuclear conflict, ethnic violence, or environmental degradation. degradation. Pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. A turning to and a seeking of God is needed. And then he ends it with this. The human race constantly forgets, he added, that he is not God. Do you see how blind society is? Do you see how blind many of us once were? Have you ever seen the Lexus commercials that are on every Christmas? I just saw it last night because I I was thinking... I hopefully I see it this year and it was on last night during the Clemson football game. but it's a commercial where it's a husband and wife in the house and they start playing this song da 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 and they both go outside the husband says cover your eyes and he leads her out and out in the front yard in the snow is a beautiful Lexus with a huge red bow on it, you've seen it, right? Everybody, No? Yeah, yeah. And I tell you the song because, in case this year, you know, you start hearing that music playing in your house, that you run outside because there might, <laughs> there might be Alexis out there. But can you imagine opening up your front door and getting Alexis for Christmas? That'd be pretty good, huh? that might be the greatest Christmas present ever given to you, right? But guess what? If you're a believer, if you're a believer, the greatest Christmas present you've ever been given is the gift of spiritual sight. Jesus came to this earth as a baby, to set his people free from sin and blindness. And you know what? I will never forget the first Christmas after becoming a Christian. Because I was singing Christmas carols for the first time at church, and it just dawned on me, wow, wow. Listen to those words, those beautiful words that I sang for 18 years, and they went right over my head because I was blind. Because I was blind. Listen to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I I read this in his book also. He said, Hark the Herald Angels Sing is basically the gospel given in, in the carol. It's amazing, and I couldn't see it before. And that first Christmas, I was going, wow. Listen to the words. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner reconciled. Joyful all the nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ is born. By highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by. Born no more that man may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them what? Second birth. the gospel. You know, God had opened my eyes. I could understand truth for the first time. It was like the blind man here in this passage saying in verse 25, one thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. Now I see. And how did he receive that gift? By grace Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. This verse is saying that this man was healed in both ways by grace. He didn't work for it. He didn't deserve it. He didn't try to earn it. And you, can you see that in the story? In fact, if you go to the immediate context before the story... In in eight fifty six through 59, you see that, that Jesus was in the temple and he said to the Pharisees, he said, Before Abraham was born, I am. And what he was saying to them was, I am God. And what did they do? They picked up stones. They were ready to stone him. They were ready to kill him because in their mind he was blaspheming. And what did Jesus do? He left the temple. Now let me ask you this. If somebody was getting ready to kill you, to stone you, all right, if if they were in the temple and I left the temple, you know where I'd go? I'd leave Jerusalem. I'd leave Israel. I'd get on a boat and I'd go to Rome. I'd go and discover the new world. In the first century, what did Jesus do? He comes out of the temple, and immediately the disciples say, hey, there's a guy over there that's blind, right? And what does he do? He stops. And he goes over to this man, and he heals him. He cares more about his people than he does himself. And that's love. And that's the love of the cross. Now, did this blind man do anything to get his attention? Did he say, you are the God of the universe, you are the creator of all things? No, he couldn't because he's blind. We've already said that. The only way this man was healed was for Jesus to reach out to him first. And that's what grace is all about. And that's what Jesus did for you. You know, he had to reach out to you first by changing your heart before you could respond to him. The only way that you could come to faith or repentance is for him to first change your heart. And that's what it talks about in that hymn. Born so that we could have new birth." He has to change your heart before you can respond to him and that's what grace is all about. Later this man is thrown out of the temple and although he could now see he was probably in despair because he was rejected by not only his family but all of the Jews. So what does he do? Does he run to Jesus? No. But Jesus comes looking for him. It's like the shepherd coming for the lost sheep. Amazing grace again. Jesus gave this man the greatest gift ever given, better than any Lexus. Jesus came to this earth to save this man from his sins. He lived a perfect life so that he could give him his perfect record. Jesus died so that he could be forgiven. So how did this man respond? Look at verse 38. How does he respond? And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. And it doesn't say how he worshipped him. I, I can imagine he probably fell on his face. Knowing who Jesus is, that he is God, incarnate. And you know what I also noticed? Because right after this, the Pharisees start talking to Jesus about being blind, right? So they were sitting right there when, they, when he did this. So he worships Jesus, not worried about what anybody thinks. Not what anybody thinks. That's that's a sign that this man was no longer blind. He wanted to glorify God no matter what. And we should want to do the same. And that leads to the third point, which is thanksgiving for the gift. Do you all remember the the movie The Christmas Story? In that movie, I think he's around 12 years old, this young boy, Wants more than anything else, what does he want? The Red Rider BB gun, right? The Red Rider BB gun. Do y'all remember what his aunt gives him? Do y'all remember what the aunt gives him? Gives him pajamas. Feet pajamas. I hated those things when I was a kid. I felt trapped in them. But gave him feet pajamas with rabbit ears a pink suit this is a young boy's worst nightmare right and the mom said oh you look so cute right and the dad said get those things off did the the boy like that gift no was he thankful for it no but the next morning the next morning after he opened all his gifts and he didn't have his BB gun, his, you know, heads down, and his dad says, hey, there's one more gift over there. And he finds the Red Rider BB gun, and he has great joy, right? You know, and I, and I think of that with, with him having joy over a BB gun. Can you imagine the joy Of this blind man on this day when he receives sight twice. Can you imagine the joy as he worships the living God? If you have been given the gift of sight this morning, then God's desire for you is to live a life of worship to live a life of worship every second of every day. You know, and I've said this before, it's not just singing, it's in everything that you do. And do you worry about who's around you or do you live for glory, for the glory of God no matter what, no matter what circumstance you're in? Because that's what Christmas is all about is Jesus being the light to a people that were lost in darkness. And you know, if you've never been given that gift, the gift of sight, then what should you do? And it makes me think of Acts chapter 2 when Peter's preaching a sermon, his first sermon. His first sermon to 3,000 people. And he says that you crucified Christ and, they, and they, were, they were convicted of their sin and they said what must we do and Peter says repent and believe the gospel so if you're here this morning and you still think you're in blindness then do what Peter said is repent and believe The gospel, so that you can leave this building today for the first time. Seeing. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for giving us sight. For allowing us to see your glory, for allowing us to see your mercy, for allowing us to see our sin. Because without your spirit, without you giving us a new heart, we couldn't even see our sin. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you for the gift of repentance. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you have given your church. Lord, help us to respond with joy and grateful obedience to you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.